It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, but both of us believing in the power of an ice-cold beer. You know, I believe in the power of, uh, of a good treatment, and I'm wondering if there are Ooh, any... What do you have now? What do you have now? Well, I think maybe PTSD. What gave you PTSD? Did you have a trauma? Yes. You were there. We uh, were sitting here... Oh, you mean like 10 minutes ago you had trauma? Yeah, we're sitting here... And we're preparing for the show. And as always, you know, we've got uh, notes in front of us and, and research. And, and a cold beer. A cold beer. We've got an outline. We're talking about where the flow is going to go. And I was trying to get my mind right. Get right? The There's mind a certain right. vibe you need. Yeah. And everything that happened tried to ruin my vibe. I still need, I'm still going to be, you know, bring it, but tell the people what happened. And then, and then the screen that's behind us that we use to buffer the sound. Starts moving. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. I thought I was hallucinating. Yeah. And the doc gets up, grabs the screen, says, what's going on with this thing? I said, I don't know. I'm busy uh, in in prayer here, getting ready for the show. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, he gets up, and it's his wife. I hear a big scream. Ah! I hear him yell something. I cannot repeat. And then I yelled something. I cannot repeat. Yeah. I don't like being scared. I don't Physically, like it scared. made me feel unwell. All of a sudden, being scared makes me angry. Yeah, yeah. Like, our I don't sound, know what most people's response. falling down. I was like, maybe one of the kids is scaring me. My wife, who'd been out at work, had snuck downstairs. Yes. And she enjoys it so much. And she knows I don't enjoy it. And she goes, just because you don't like being scared doesn't mean I can't scare you because I enjoy scaring. But that's exactly what that means. Yeah. Like those are the things that relationships are built on. Hey, I hate it when you do this, when I won't do this. And she goes, oh no, but you know this is important to me. The fact that scaring me is so important to her, that bothers me. Yeah, and she's not going to stop. And now the deacon has PTSD. And I feel like we could sue her for defamation of character. Except for we... <laughs> I think we've already done it up to her character on the show, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I don't like it. I don't like being scared. It physically makes me feel unwell. And seeing how much pleasure... And as old as I am, she would think that she would be concerned about my heart if I didn't go to Orange Theory so much. (laughs) Well, I'm glad glad you're still alive. Yeah. And you know what? There are new things being used for PTSD. Not everything being used is the right answer, but the newest thing that people are doing for PTSD is microdosing. I don't know that I knew what microdosing was until I watched a show on Hulu called Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah. You were telling me to watch it. What was that about? And then I'm going to explain to everyone yeah, what microdosing and is. Nicole Kidman uh, runs this camp, if you will, where she brings nine perfect strangers. And they don't know why they're there, how they're connected. They seemingly unconnected to have a spiritual awakening. Like, if you will. like Clue, 
Because they all know each other, which is a whodunit, but different. Did yeah. they end up all knowing each other? No, they didn't all know each no. other. But So not like Clue. But there was some connections. Okay. Right? And at the end of it, uh, as it, the show goes on, you start realizing they are being dosed with mushrooms, LSD, or some sort of hallucinogenic. Wow. Yeah. So... Now, especially in Silicon Valley and different places in the world, we've gone so anti-Westernized medicine that we're trying to find different ways to treat depression, PTSD, substance abuse, that microdosing is the idea of taking a hallucinogen or small amounts of any chemical that causes hallucinations or illusions and taking micro amounts daily or every few days. So the normal dosage of LSD is usually around 200 to 250 micrograms. And the thought is if you take small amounts, maybe 10 to 20 micrograms every few days, that it will help treat some of your psychiatric conditions and feelings. Because what will it do? It will, it will open up certain receptors. It will depress other receptors. Like what? What is the scientific thought behind that? Yeah, so I, I don't know the overall scientific thought, but we do know that... LSD in particular, and some of the hallucinogenic medications work on stimulating these 5-HT2A receptors, which are serotonin-type receptors. And the thought is that it increases glutamate and that by increasing, uh, by binding to this 5-HT2A receptor, it'll increase glutamate and it will hopefully improve mood. The whole idea behind these is altering sensory perception so maybe we see the world in a different way and that can help us better deal with either our anxiety or some of our traumas that we've previously encountered. All I could think about was if you had said that in an Australian accent. I, I was listening to you, but then you said glutamate and it made me think about <laughs> if you were Australian, you would say glutamate, mate. And then I would say, I would wonder if it had two mates in it or if there was a mate and a gluta. And how did the gluten meet the mate? It's, it's, it was very, it, was, it threw me off. I am not tripping. I just, <laughs> so people might be listening. Has the deacon been microdosed? I have not been. Well, today we are drinking. Mate, I have not been microdosed. A new Exxon IPA, but we are not using LSD. No. We are not using psilocybin or mescaline. And those are the three main hallucinogenics that we've used for a long time. The tricky part now is because they're getting harder and harder to get, now there's all these synthetic medicines being made like K2 and spice that are being used and made in a laboratory to also try to give people a trip or to make them hallucinate. I always get concerned about uh, when we are trying to replicate nature through synthetic methods, right? Like, I mean, you know, you think about, um, and we do it with lots of things. When we, you, you know, we're getting our kitchen redone at some point. And one of the things they were talking about was the difference between natural stones and fabricated stones. And the benefits of both, right? You get these natural stones that have these wide variations because they're from nature. And when you have these fabricated stones, you can control the variation and you can create, a, a, you know, something that looks pretty similar throughout. And so you minimize the amount of differences in each, you know, square inch or square foot or whatever. So 
What are your thoughts on the synthetic, like synthetic marijuana has not been a great thing, right? Well, in essence, a lot of people arguing for microdosing are those that are trying to get what they're going to call more back to nature and not to medications that are made in the lab, right? So this is actually, it's often that type of mind thought. It's oftentimes the people that want alternative treatments. A lot of the people that have turned to this have been treated with the SSRIs or the SNRIs or the atypical psychotics, antipsychotics, or some of the more dangerous anxiety meds, the benzodiazepines. And so psilocybin is what's in magic uh, mushrooms. So a lot of people use mushrooms to microdose by using small amounts. LSD is one of the most common things being used as well. And that was absolutely made in, made in a lab. But a lot of these people are trying to turn away from the westernized medicine. You go to a doctor and you get a pill. But here is where I want to push back is that our medicines have been tested, right? We know that there are side effects to the medicines I prescribe. Yeah. We know the dosages. We know that you can take it in a safe way. We know what they interact with. The tricky part is if you buy LSD... It is illegal in America, and except for soon to be Oregon. Um, no, I believe Oregon has made all of these uh, legal or is about to, and many states may also as well. But if they're not regulated, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Most people now, often overdosing, are getting something different than they, than they plan on it. Sure. Right? And if you get a little you know, piece of paper soaked in LSD, it's hard to be certain what you're getting. How many? And these people microdosing, it's hard sure. to know, hey, how do I know I'm getting the right medicine? I think the question comes to, is there a place for it to be studied? Is there a place for us to open up our minds to think, is there a chance that in certain situations, these medicines, these chemicals could be used? Is there a chance that LSD could help people? Which I know sounds like a crazy idea, but this is, I think, where we go back. Well, li listen, you need to look no further than the chocolate chip cookie. The chocolate chip cookie? Yeah. You ever go to a place and get a chocolate chip cookie and there's always that one sad cookie over in the corner with like two chips in it. And you're like, I'm never picking that cookie. Who is picking that cookie? And it's that alone. And then you have this one with like 28 chips. It's a chip in every half a bite which is almost a, a too big a chip ratio. I, for me, I want three to four chips per bite with a good size of the cookie. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I need that to be fairly consistent. And when I'm picking out a cookie, I look for that ratio. And so you need to look no further than the chocolate chip cookie to see how easily it can be mistaken to have those ratios off. Well, in my house, if you get a pancake on the weekend, yeah, it's like there's barely any pancake. It's like a little bit of batter holding the chocolate chips together. Who's making those pancakes? Kyla? Well, they're helping. Yes, yes. Yeah, I let them, you know, oversee. Yeah, the, yeah, the kids are making the pancakes. There's the pancake. Although, and there's like, never ever any leftover cookies in my house. Yeah. <laughs> right? Even that, yeah, that sad cookie's still getting eaten. My kids do cookies are like people with a crack addiction. The next day, there's never any leftover crack. Yeah. There's never a little bit in the fridge leftover for the next day. No. So we're going to take it back okay. to the 1930s. The 1930s? Yeah, 1930s to Dr. Albert Hoffman. Okay. He was working with this thing called ergot. It's a type of fungus, ergot, E-G-R-O-T. Remember back in the day when we first started, you used to ask me if I knew how to spell things. Now you've given up because you know I do. Yes, I do. And he had been altering these chemicals. And on the 25th version of this chemical, yeah. 
he made LSD or LSD-25. Why was he altering the chemical? Do we know? Yeah. So at the time, he was trying to find a medicine to try to excite the lungs, a stimulant, a, what we would call a simple sympathomimetic medicine. Okay. So something that would kind of stimulate the body. And the thought was maybe for people with lung disease or asthma, he could help them. Okay. And while he was preparing this, he actually um, got some ingested on his own. And we don't really know how. And he... It could have been lots of different ways. Told Was he wearing gloves? I wasn't there. But was he? he told his lab mate, that, so oh my gosh. What if... Oh, okay. So we can, we can hypothesize about how he may have gotten or ingested. So the 1930s, where were we at in regards to prohibition? Prohibition was over. That ended in the early 30s. Prohibition was over. So he was probably stirring a drink. And because he was making something, maybe he stirred it with his finger. His finger had gotten on the stuff. And now it was in his drink. He ingested it and didn't know. He may have. But then afterwards, he realized... Something is not right here. Okay. And he grabbed one of his lab assistants and said, hey, you have to take me home. But at this point, they get on their bicycles. And he rode his I bicycle I like to home. ride my bicycle. I oh, like yeah. to ride my bike. And he gets home. And he goes, oh, my gosh, we were riding the bike for hours. And it was not any longer than normal. And then he goes, to get rid of it at this time, the thought was you could drink a lot of milk. And okay. if you had some sort of chemical. So he goes to the neighbor. And all he remembers was his neighbor looking like a witch and thinking that she was giving him poisonous milk. And he drank two liters of milk within the next day. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, there's nothing wrong with you, but there's definitely something wrong with you. And he went back to work the next day and he told everyone what happened. You know what they did? What? They all you did LSD the next day. <laughs> Both of his bosses decided to trip as well. And then they decided, well, this in certain ways was a magical, spiritual experience. And for at least a few weeks... The lab, the pharmaceutical company, was not so productive. Because <laughs> everybody was tripping their faces Yeah, off. yeah. He wrote a book about it in his experiences with it called My Problem Child. And it was the first acid trip ever. And at that time, he said, a demon had invaded me, had taken possession of my body, mind, and soul. And so then this medicine started being used for psychoanalysis. And there was a time in the 1960s where over 40,000 different patients were treated with hallucinogenic treatments. Now, how do you think that something like that, so nobody had invented this before, this guy invents it, how does it end up making its way into the cycle of um, a, a substance that is being made and sold underground, like in the black market? Well, I think as it got famous, people have good trips, People have bad trips, and it still is a dangerous drug. Do I think that it is more dangerous than, you know, um, opiates or crystal meth? I, I do not. I do not. You know, uh, there is not really a toxic level, right? People have taken large doses, and most times they end up just going to sleep. Uh, but we don't think people have overdosed from there. But the war on drugs started, and it is a medicine that then led to all sorts of different urban legends. 
So there was a woman, and this is always one of the urban legends, and it may have been true, that who jumped from a window. And there was thoughts that people were going on trips and thinking that they could take a step because their sensory perception was off. Mm. And the question was, did they have underlying depression? This pushed them over, but the jumping out of windows. Um, And then there were all these rumors that kids were going to be laced with LSD. Um, There's a lot of thoughts that um, if you have schizophrenia, if you have bipolar disorder, and you use some of these mind-altering substances at a young age, it could push you further into that. And the question is, are these things already that you have inside your body? Yeah. Or that this is, is awakening. Is or, this right. actually pushing you into that realm? You know, that's interesting. When I was growing up, and probably, you know, to, to some extent you, I don't know if you'll remember, but we, we would go out trick-or-treating for Halloween, and then our, we would have to bring our bags of candy home and have them inspected. For knives in the apples. N- knives, needles. Needles in the apples. And, and I remember... You know, um, the thought of that any open bags might be laced with a substance or a drug. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, it's interesting because I don't think I, I look through my kids' candy anymore. I just steal it. But, <laughs> well, LSD was banned in 1966. And in the past 10 to 15 years has been used in select trials and especially in other countries to try to go, hey, does this have any positive benefit? The tricky part is these uh, sympathomimetic effects, right? It can make your heart go fast. Mm-hmm. It can cause your blood pressure to go up. Um, it can make your eyes um, dilate. It can make your body temperature too hot. You can get hyperthermia. And there are trips, right? So a trip is experiences while acutely intoxicated with a hallucinogen. Okay. And the idea is, do you have a good trip? Do you have a bad trip? There's a lot of urban legend that the mindset you're in, yeah. going into it affects it. Well, it's a good thing that we didn't have one of those right after we were scared to death. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Because we were not in a good frame of mind. No, no. If, yeah. if, if you have any comments or issues with this episode, send them to my wife. <laughs> it's her fault. Oh, definitely her fault. So that's an interesting thought that... You would immerse yourself into this world. I think part of it is being allowing yourself to be free enough to experience whatever that trip is. Right? Like, like it's almost like a spiritual experience. So in the Bible, there's, there's lots of talks of, of, of different experiences when you talk about something like this. For instance... In the fourth chapter of Matthew, just after Jesus has been baptized, um, he goes uh, into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And there in the wilderness, he is uh, met. Now, it says he was, he was hungry, right? I mean, obviously, fasting for that long, he was probably hungry. And, and it says that a tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. Hmm. Right now, is that the tempter? Was the tempter there? Is this Jesus experiencing this? I don't know. The Bible says it, it's, you know, that, it, that this happened and Jesus experienced this. And Jesus answered the tempter and said, you know, it's, it's written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word, that comes from the mouth of God. And so the tempter went away. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, it's also written, do not put the Lord God to, your te- to the test. Don't, so, don't test me? Don't test, don't test God. So here he is twice. He's hungry. He's, he's seeing this, you know, this, this man who's offered him food or, and talked to him about, hey, if you're really the son of God, you can fly, right? Throw yourself down and the angels will save you. And then lastly, he takes him up and he says, hey, uh, if you're really the son of God, just bow to me and I'll give you this whole kingdom. And then Jesus said, you know, the, the Bible and, and it is written and it says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he refused to bow before Satan. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him and helped him recover for then his journey into, into his ministry where he found his disciples and then started calling them and they followed him and stuff like that. So you know, you talk about this spiritual journey and having, I think part of it is having to be open to it, is the willingness, you know, if we're skeptical, how much does that impact our ability to experience it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people that have used hallucinogens or LSD are looking for a spiritual experience, are looking to connect in some other level. And the question is, are they looking to connect in a way that religion hasn't given them? Are they looking you know, for a way to connect that you know, modern medicine isn't providing? You know, what are these people looking for? And oftentimes when someone has a bad trip, I think Satan is there. And the idea of being tempted different ways is often there as well. And some of the things that people see or hear during a bad trip are definitely temptations that are evil. Yeah, I listen, I think whenever we're in a we're in a frame of mind, we we can often see what we're already experiencing, right? So when we go through difficult times, it's easy to find only difficult things around us, right? When we're going through great for through times of of um of prosperity, it's often easy to find more prosperity, right? And see the good, the good in things because we already feel good about things. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting to, to, to think that, um, that they would use these microdoses to help treat PTSD, to help open up someone's mind to find other avenues. I mean, your boy Hoffman, I read a little bit about him and, you know, he, he had a quote that kind of made me think the dude was a scientist who believed in God because he says, through my LSD experience and my new picture of reality, I became aware of the wonder of creation, the magnificence of nature and of the animal and plant kingdom. I became very sensitive to what will happen to all of this and all of us. Wow, that's pretty To me, that sounds like someone who's, who's really connected and who's open to understanding that you know, the art, the hand, the intentionality behind creation and the vastness of it was not some big boom, some accident that happened, but it was actually a creation. Well, I would argue that Albert Hoffman was not a big God person and was more 
like the doc, because he also was quoted as saying, by observing natural scientific discovery through a perception deepened by meditation, we can develop a new awareness of reality. This awareness could become the bedrock of a spirituality that is not based on the dogmas of a given religion, but an insights into a higher and deeper meaning. I'm referring to the ability to recognize, read, and to understand the firsthand revelations. Oh, I love the firsthand revelations. Oh, I knew you would the love The firsthand revelations, the experiences of what has happened. And in Revelation, we learn uh, so many things. So I, I think that's, uh, although I, and I agree in, in part with what he said about a specific religion. Because I think religion has watered down um, many times our belief of buying, completely buying in to what God has in store for us. And so when we're completely open to the experience, right? I think that's the first step it takes with a spiritual journey. So listen, my first step was knowing that, do I believe that God can change my life? Do I believe that God can have power over my life and impact the experiences of my life? And the answer to that was yes. And I think it's that answer that starts everything. Just like, I mean, have you ever... Uh, well, I have a question. What? Have you ever done LSD? Did you see God? Is that when you found God on a trip? Was it a beautiful trip? I don't know how to answer this question. I guess I could answer it truthfully. I will never watch uh, Sheena the Warrior Princess again in my life. <laughs> Did you do LSD and watch Xena the Warrior Princess at one point? Yes, and, and I could not believe that my friend put that on because it was completely... Uh, it. It was very powerful in that experience. And it was an accidental, right? So we had taken jello shots at a party um, where we had visited a friend at school. And somebody said, Oh, did you guys take those jello shots? And we're like, Yeah, we each had two. And they said, Huh, those were laced with LSD. And we were like, Great. Who knows how long, how much, how long we're going to be tripping for? Usually around 12 hours, it's out of your system. So this was, it was about two days. Wow, that's not so good, yeah. So if I had to guess, it was about 36 hours. Wow, so that means you had quite a high dose to the of point LSD. You, where, did, you did not microdose. To the point where we went shopping on, so this was a Friday night. On Sunday, we went to the grocery store and said, hey, I guess we should learn how to go to the grocery store while tripping because this is going to be the rest of our life. Did you buy anything tie-dye? <laughs> I don't remember what You didn't we buy anything tie-dye? Did you just listen to Fish and the Grateful Dead uh, the entire time? We sat at a stop sign. I remember we rode our bikes to the grocery store because we were scared to drive. And I think it felt like we sat at a stop sign for probably 30 minutes waiting for it to turn green. It was like the Albert Hoffman's bike ride home that felt like it took forever but was uh, just a normal bike ride home. And I think that people think that, you know... Doing these things can help release, release creativity. And Francis Crick, a scientist who helped develop uh, the DNA molecule and the double helix in the DNA, says he used LSD to try to help him better problem solve. And some of these uh, people out in Silicon Valley are doing that. But you know who really used LSD most famously back in the day and became famous were the Beatles. The Beatles? The Beatles. What do you, I don't I don't. How do you know? Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, LSD. That's not what that song's about, is it? Yeah, yeah. There's this thing called synesthesias, where there's the blending of 
senses, where you're hearing of colors and, and seeing of smells and seeing of sounds. Okay. Picture yourself on a boat in the river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Oh. Lucy in the, the sky, sky with diamonds. LSD. Okay, okay, okay. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. And I saw the walrus yeah. was during an acid trip. Oh, all right. Yeah. There's that also makes... a famous uh, song about LSD called Black Peter. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to learn that one. You got to learn Black Peter. But I think what we need to know here is it's interesting how drugs are found. Yes. And then drugs are celebrated. And then drugs have been found to have negative consequences and been taken away. And then nowadays, they're coming back Often and being tested. And it will be yeah. interesting to see, as the world is changing, if some of these drugs can be helpful and if microdosing can be helpful. But for right now, to my patients, I, I think this, I'm not ready. I think the same thing can be said about religion, right? It's, it's, it's interesting how religion was found. And, and then used, and then oftentimes has negative connotations. A lot, then, of, a lot of times on a show. And then many times brought back into a, an individual experience, and that's what I talk about, you know, having that personal relationship uh, with Jesus. So for me, you know, that's, um, you have to be open and start with that, the framework of being willing to have the complete experience. And it sounds like when it comes to microdosing, um, that might be the first, the first step is to having an open mind to taking something that, that can be used the wrong way, can be harmful. Yeah. But uh, being willing to experiment and say, hey, we're, we're going to find out because we know that many of the answers that we come up with are not working and are, are putting people in jeopardy. And we hear you know, more and more stories of people who are dealing with depression, who are not treated properly, and the reality makes it difficult to know that it, what is the right answer. I think step one is not having your wife scare you before an episode. Amen. Hey, um, in that vein, uh, it's really important. You know, we just had a, a young lady from the JMU softball team. We had a soccer star out in California. Um, if you know somebody who's struggling with depression, if, you, if someone talks to you and has thoughts of suicide or hurting themselves, the first thing you should do is, is let someone know. Talk to somebody and, and put them in touch uh, with someone who can help. Make oh, sure. I talk to someone every week who's thinking and having dark thoughts. And it is uh, it sure is tough. And at some point, maybe I'm going to tell them to do a little Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah. But not quite yet. Not quite yet. Um, you know, there's two things you can always count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaking. I guess we can always count on the uh, the duck's wife lurking in the shadows. Maybe, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll add that as a third you know thing you can count on. I'm not going to, you know, usually we go, hey, I want to thank a producer, Tucker we're, Butler. We're not thanking her tonight. I want to thank your wife. Yes, let's thank my wife. We thank my she wife. Didn't she didn't scare us. That's today. right. Franchise, even though he has not made a rap recap in a while. But, but you we're, know what? we're still going to thank him. Fine. Yeah, that's fine. fine. He's a rapper, you know. 
Um, and we, we thank Tucker. We and thank- I can't wait for, you know, five years from now for us to do an update on LSD and where it may be in the world. Yeah. But next, we'll tackle magic mushrooms. All right. Peace. Peace. Excellent brain trust to market it. Brandness that's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show gonna be around for infinite years. I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in. Now I'm coming to close it like a Roldis Chapman.